Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. Thank you for listening to Bluebells Forever. In episode 28, I am interviewing the wonderful Anne Marie O'Connor but the beginning was cut off a little bit. So it may be a bit confusing, but I'm actually talking to her about the Bluebells Forever reunion in Paris and why I wanted to interview her for this podcast. Thank you. Like I was kind of trying to find people in the sea of 300 dancers and then kind of people to sit with. And so I did find some people from Hello Hollywood, but I just remember you being so fun and warm. And like, I think that we just started talking right away that the fact that your daughter was with you is wonderful. But the main thing was when we did that dance class together on the stage, I just remember you being just full out, like joy and watching you dance. And I just remember your laugh. But I was like, I like her. <laughs> so when I thought about the interview, uh, you popped into my mind, like, so I, I think there was some time to talk with the reunion, but not that much. So now the luxury is like, I get to have one person at a time without like all the noise and the craziness going on. So um, thank you for doing this. And I would love to just have you tell like how, I actually want to preface this because you sent me some pictures and the very first thing that popped up was the one with Davy Jones, who I had the biggest crush on in my teen years. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So you don't have to, maybe we start with Davy Jones. It's like, that's your first gig you ever did. <laughs> and it then- was my first gig. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think it was about 14 when I realized that um, I didn't need, um, you know, any high school education all I wanted to do was dance I was pretty good at dancing and um, I used to blow everyone out and I get distinction for all of my my exams and I thought this is what I'm going to do and um, my father was a a comedian in the UK so he was really famous at the time and um, he said to me oh you're doing pantomime this year with me in in Liverpool at the Empire so I said oh oh great you know I was really looking forward to it I was leaving school my mom had signed me up for a course just in case the dancing didn't work out. And um, I turn up for the rehearsals late um, and the, choreogra- the choreographer, bless her, uh, Mavis Taverner, didn't know I was coming. So, um, yeah, my first job um, was a bit by default, um, ended up uh, doing a panto with Davy Jones, which then got extended. So I got kicked out of the college that my mom had signed me up for, uh, <laughs> went to dance school. Um, and then subsequently tried out a proper audition and surprisingly got the job and ended up in Vegas as a bluebell all within 12 months. It was quite surprising. So I was, um, I was just 17 and my mum put me on a plane from Gatwick um, with a whole other bunch of girls from the UK to Las Vegas. And who the hell would send anyone at 17 to Vegas? Well, I have a question because we, uh, the, like a few people from the UK have said pantomime and in the United States, pantomime to us means mime. And so I was like, okay, they're miming with Davy Jones. That can't be right. So can you explain what a pantomime is? In so your- pantomime in England is, is very traditional. So, I mean, I can remember all of my life every year doing pantomime or going to a pantomime. And um, pantomime is like, um, we take Cinderella or Jack and the Beanstalk, um, which uh, I was in with, with Davy Jones. Um, 
the dame, there's a dame. So the dame is always the mother of either the prince, charming, or um, of, of Jack and the Beanstalk, and they're always in drag. Um, there's a lot of slapstick. Um, oh, yes, it isn't. Oh, no, it isn't. Yes, no, yes. And, the, and there's a lot of interaction with the audience, and um, it, it is the highlight of everyone's Christmas. You, you can't have a Christmas unless you go to pantomime in the UK. So and for, a lot of, for a lot of kids, you know, pantomime is their entrance to theatre. It's, it's their first, the first, the first theatre that they ever see. You know, all ages go, <laughs> even great-great-grandparents still go to pantomime every Christmas because it's not Christmas unless there's a pantomime. So, um, you know, theatre is huge in the UK. And why are we so successful at musicals? Why are there so many people that go into theatre and want to go to drama schools? I mean, we must have the most drama schools <laughs> per square foot than, than anywhere else in the world. And I think it's all because of pantomime, because we, we get that theatre from very early on, you know? And it's the joy because you're participating. You're not, it's not just the performers in panto, it's, it's the people in the audience that make the panto because it's all sort of interaction. It's really, it, you have to go to a panto, Sherry. I do. It's not it's, right. <laughs> education that I'm like, every time I do an interview, especially when it's someone outside of the US, I'm like, oh. So I, how was that? Like, that was your first experience was a big one. Like, did you get like- It was oh, a big this one. Is what yeah. I want to do. Could you feel that when you're performing? Like, this is where I need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got Vegas and then it was like five months rehearsal with a green bib and number five and Don Arden with a megaphone shouting, green number five, you're out of line. Oh yeah. What, so was your, I went from, what was your audition like for that one? So <laughs> it was very strange because I obviously I'd never done any auditions before. I'd done this one show um, only because I got in through the back door uh, via my father. And I'd on Thursdays in the UK, we have this newspaper called The Stage. And on Thursday, all the auditions are posted. And I said to my mother, I'd really like to do this audition just to see what auditions are like. And she said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So um, bless her, she, put, she came with me and um, in the UK, um, Peter Baker, I think was the guy who um, sort of sort of organised everything for Miss Bluebell. And um, there was Miss Bluebell, Don Arden and one of the choreographers, I can't remember which, which choreographer was there. But anyway, I walked in with my Olivia Newton-John pants, may I say, I had the tight pants on, the boot chirp, permed hair full makeup <laughs> and <laughs> and I, as I walked through the door Peter Baker said I always know who's going to be picked as they walk through the door and I went oh that's that sounds good and um but I was like the baby a lot of the girls had already um got the audition before because obviously when I joined in 81 there'd been a fire in 1980 and they were sort of get, re-getting dancers and some of the ones that had got the job before had come back to re-audition. So they were all sort of pros. And the girls at my college said that the in thing to wear was um, a red all-in-one. So somebody had lent me their all-in-one for this audition. And of course, I am the only one with this top to bottom leotard. 
um, no bra, quite low cut, um, and they're all there in high heels, fishnet tights, leotards up to their boobs practically with a big thick belt looking the business and I'm in this lobster suit. <laughs> it was okay until we got to the kicking line and of course they're all linked up and I just looked along the line, just looked like shit Sherry. I was literally the red lobster within all of these beautiful girls. And as we started kicking, this bloody thing kept going down and down and down. <laughs> and I'm trying to pull it up with one arm and kick with the left. <laughs> pull it up with the right. <laughs> it was it was so funny. And then I kept saying to myself, well, it's only I'm only just coming to see how everything is. So I'll know for next time that it'd be, you know, this is what happens. And then we finished all of this palaver and we all sat and they got rid of the people they wanted to get rid of. And then they kept going in this back room and I was wondering what was going on in the back room. You know, Don Arden and Blue, Miss Bluebell would shuffle off with a couple of girls into the back room and come back again. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? What are they going to tell us? Um, anyway, um, they, we got down to about 15 and um, straight away they told us we got the job, etc. And um, this one girl, Maxine, um, from, uh, from Blackpool, I was going, why are you all going in the back room? You know, what's going on in the back room? And also, I was quite short. Although I was five foot seven, I was one of the shortest. <laughs> I was never going to be a nude, which I didn't even know existed until I found out what they were going to the back room for. It was that Miss Bluebell and Don Arden were checking out their, their melons. <laughs> And obviously I wasn't a nude because I wasn't tall enough, so I became a bluebell. Um, yeah, and but in England, you can't leave the country until you're 18 without a guardian. So I had to go to like one of the top courts in the UK and get a license in front of a judge. It was the first time I'd ever seen a judge with a white wig red robe and my mother signing me away to the company director, Fluff Lecoq. And, um, yeah, so I was, she was my guardian. Um, yeah. Wow. So this is, it's like I've talked to a few gals that went um, at 16, 17, and I'm, I didn't leave till like 18 and a half, and my parents were like, and I didn't, I was in Seattle, so Vegas wasn't that far, but it still was known as Sin City. So like they're yeah. sending just little daughter off to go to Vegas, which, you know, if you think of it as mafia, because I don't know what the UK's version of, of Vegas was, but your mom must have like trusted that someone's going to take care of you or that it's maybe not, maybe she hadn't seen what Vegas was thought to be. Well, funny enough, you say, so mom sent me because my dad's agent used to be the roadie for Tom Jones and Engelbert Humperdinck, who obviously oh. always worked, always worked yeah. in Vegas. And they had a best friend called Hank, who was the maitre d' at the Riviera Hotel. So my mum had phoned him and said, oh, my daughter's just got this job in Vegas. Will you look after her? And he said, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's not, a, not an issue. And he did actually look after me. So if I was ever stuck anywhere, I would ring Hank up and Hank would send his Mercedes and his driver and what have you. Um, but little did my mother know that he was like, I don't know if he was part of the mafia or what have you, but... 
I remember, <laughs> I remember sitting in his house that was full of mirrors everywhere, mirrors everywhere. And he had this Mexican friend who rolled the biggest bloody joint I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I'm sat there sipping my white wine with Anne Shepherd, who was another Bluebell girl, who went on to be um, a detective for, she left the Bluebells and she went to be a detective for Scotland Yard in the, um, what did she, not the, no, her husband was in the fraud squad, but she was in, I don't know any, oh God, I can't remember what she was in. But anyway, she was like one of these top police women that went undercover and got this well. Anyway, me and her used to see, we were sat there thinking, this can't be legal. We've got to get out of here. This is just crazy. Wow. Yeah. Vegas was a very strange place. Yeah. And going from like, did you grow up in Gatwick or is that just the airport you flew out of? No, no. I was, I'm from Liverpool originally. So Gatwick is like, for me, living in Liverpool was miles away. So when my mum put me on that plane, um, I was already going to a foreign land, going down to London, and then going to Vegas. <laughs> so if you're if you're that old, they must have you. I'm obviously you're not going to live by yourself. Did they arrange for you with roommates? Because I I can't imagine like moving into another country, into Vegas, and like not just rehearsal, but finding like where am I going to live and how do I get around? No, they put us in a hotel for one month. So. Um, <laughs> They put us in this hotel, which was about a two mile walk from, from rehearsals. And we, we had to walk there because we, we didn't have cars or anything like that. So we'd walk to rehearsals every day. And because nobody walked in, in the States, you know, Vegas was a place where, you know, um, it, it was, prostitution was legal. So most of the time, every day you went to work, people thought you were a prostitute on the streets and they would pull up. And, and stop you but you know it was it was the most weirdest place but funnily enough I um after a month we found uh we found our own apartments I was with Lindsay Lindsay Raven um who organized the reunion so Lindsay was my flatmate and Shepard was my flatmate uh Ginny Cook um so people that you met in in, in Paris yeah they were they were my flatmates so the, the Brits sort of tended to to stay together and um yeah yeah and we lived in these apartment blocks which we went to check out um last time we were in vegas at the closing of jubilee and they they <laughs> they demolished them <laughs> they were no longer <laughs> they weren't very nice but yeah. what was the rehearsal period like were, were you just like oh i got this or was it overwhelming or it was very overwhelming and and also because it was just so long i mean there was 165 in the cast for jubilee and um, we would sit for hours in these bloody fishnet tights that you would just itch and itch and itch and itch because um, they were just so uncomfortable when you weren't dancing. And um, we all had bibs. I was green number five. Um, and, but during Jubilee, because after the fire, it was quite, you know, it was quite, um, it was quite a thing. People would just pop in. So you'd have... Um, Sammy Davis just walk in and watch a couple of rehearsals. Um, Dean Martin had come in and pretend he was drunk and fall over. Um, we had um, the guy from the uh, from the A team. Oh gosh, what was his name? He fell over my chair once because I was swinging on my chair. Uh, we had all of these stars just dropping in. 
all of the time. Shirley MacLaine, oh my God, my, my absolute, absolute idol um, came in. Donna Sommer. Um, you know, it was just the most crazy thing because they just came in through the side door. They'd just come in, speak to Don Arden, watch the rehearsals. And we're all like, oh my God, is that? Yes, it is. <laughs> and you have to be like, because you have to be on just because Don Arden is like going to yell at you if you're not on. But just the fact that you could have celebrities walk in at any moment. I have to it go was... back. We had a name for the fishnets. When you've been in them too long, it was called Waffle Crutch. <laughs> It's like the imprint you're done with the show and you're like you still so I I remember I don't think I wore my fishnets till close but you guys were in the, the beginning of the show I was put in so I just can't even imagine wearing fishnets that long and not having permanent indentation five months we were in those bloody fishnets oh up and down <clears throat> but later on you know when I was doing can can and stuff like that I used to do like a 15 minute can can in my own show you know twice a night three on a Saturday I constantly had the crisscross imprinted in my, both of my knees from doing the slide splits. You know, they were just, they, they were almost tattooed to my knees, the, the, the fishnets. <laughs> Bloody fishnets. Well, I've heard stories from some people that were in that show and they talked about Bob Mackie, like fitting them. Like that's just such a, that life is so bizarre. Like, it, it, and I'm thinking at 17 feels different than someone in their twenties that Bob Mackie is like, you know, fitting a costume on you and celebrities are walking in and you're like, oh, this is my life. But I didn't know that because I didn't know these people. So, oh. um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, I wasn't streetwise in that sense. You know, I, I went back to the end of the show and I said to the girls, you know, we didn't realize how lucky we were because we literally came in at the top level and had no idea of who these people were, their reputations, Don Arden, who'd have heard, I'd never heard of Don Arden, I'd never heard of Bluebell, I'd never heard of, you know, um, I, I just never heard of them, I'd never, Bob Mackie, who the hell has heard of him, you know, I, no, nobody had heard of him, and when when Bob Mackie, I, I was one of the bridesmaids in the in the finale with the, you know, and I used to call her pretty girl is like a melody. And I had this um, bridesmaid's hat on and this lovely tail and I have no hips. I have no hips. I have literally I'm straight up and down. And this bloody thing just kept slipping off my hips. And Don Arden's like, Bob, sort that fucking skirt out. You know, she's got away. You know, what the fuck? And I literally, the skirt was by my knees. And poor Bob Mackey is trying to, trying to make sure that, they, that I have no hips. I have no hips. You know, some people don't have hips. You know, <laughs> my waist and my hips are all in one line. <laughs> there was nothing to hold on to. <laughs> That makes some of those feather butt packs pretty hard then, because those are heavy. Did you ever have the ones that tucked into the G that, that were the butt yeah. pack? And if you don't have hips, that makes that pretty hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So I used to have, funnily enough, it was the lady in the wardrobe. She made skin-colored ties that went from my bra to the side of the thing, so it actually stayed up. She was good. <laughs> she was good. That's yeah. That's amazing. So, so do you remember opening night? I do remember opening night. Gene Kelly opened. <clears throat> Gene Kelly opened the show. Sammy Davis came down. He had so many pictures with everybody. 
he was just the best. He, he was the only celebrity that actually came down, had a picture with everybody. I've got a cracking picture with Lindsay as well. Really? Oh, um, with Sammy Davis. Yeah, I, I shall send you that. Um, he, came, um, he came to Hello Hollywood, I think twice in the year I was there and came on stage, he bought a champagne, he danced yeah. a little for us. And then I've heard stories of him inviting the cast of Jubilee and Hello Holly when, it, when he was in Reno to come see a show. Like, I think he just loved being around show people, but I just heard he had a very generous part. But, um, so I, I wasn't a singer at the time, but I, you know, I did sing, sort of dabbled in it a little bit. And um, his wife said, oh, you know, we always go to um, the speakeasy bar and um, maybe tomorrow night when, when you finish the show, come down. So um, there was a couple of us Brits and we went and oh my God, the pizza filled the table. It was so huge. And um, I never forget, um, I was watching these, um, these beautiful, well, these prostitutes coming off the, off the strip at the end of the night. And they'd come and sing in this speakeasy bar for a jam session. And oh my God, Sherry, the voices were just, unbelievable and I was like why are they selling their bodies when they should be selling their voices because I can't tell you they were just so good and um Sammy Davis came in um not the opening night the following night and uh, we had a jam session and um we and you know every three weeks he would come and it was a, it was an appointment and we we had a jam session with him like every three weeks we'd all just get up and sing we even did this stupid song called the hokey cokey which in england i don't know if you've ever heard of the hokey cokey you put your left hand in your left hand out in out in out shake it all about you do the hokey cokey and you turn around and it's just the stupidest song we had such fun we started I didn't know how lucky I was to have that at 17. I just didn't know how special it would be. That's, you know? that's some of the, a lot of the people I'm talking to. You have the show, which is that experience. You've got backstage, which is that experience. But then all the opportunities that there were with people, because especially Vegas, when there's so many shows and people yes. kind of find there that if you want to perform, if you want to train, if you want to, like people are writing comedy shows. Like I feel like it just fostered this, um, opportunity to keep going instead of when people go, oh, I'm going to be a professional dancer. Now I've arrived. And now what? Yeah. There was oh, so yeah. much more. So you, when we talked earlier too, you talked about like at 17, you couldn't do what other people in the cast who were over 21 were doing. So what was your life like when you were like one of the youngins? Well, it was a bit of an eye opener because I was very naive. So the girls had, you know, the, the girls had bring guys back and I was like, different ones every night I was like oh this is not me and um I remember going to get a sheriff's card because you had to get a sheriff's card do you remember and Sherry you had to go to the sheriff's office to get a an ID card maybe you were American so you didn't but as Brits, yeah we had to go in so we had our fingerprints taken which I'd never had done in my life had to like I was I was you know I'd been captured for something I had to have a picture this way and a picture that way and a picture that way and um, I got the sheriff's card and and right across it in big red letters said minor <laughs> because obviously I was under 21 and I think we got paid on a Thursday so on a Thursday at the hotel across the way I, I can't remember maybe it was the stardust we used to go into the stardust from from mgm and you could put your wage packet on this big wheel and um 
you could you could either win a chicken dinner, a bottle of wine, <laughs> but you could actually double your salary. And I was always panicking that if they actually asked me for ID, I would never get the money because <laughs> it wasn't legal to be in a casino because I was only 17. <laughs> Gambling for your chicken dinner. That sounds very Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> when I moved to Reno, I had no money and until we get our first paycheck. And so we would, my roommate and I would take the last few quarters and put it in the slot machine and usually get just enough to get like bread and peanut butter. And then you'd gamble the next little bit of change until that first paycheck. Cause in rehearsals, you know, it takes a while. And I came yeah. down not prepared at all, but it is that, that so strikes a chord of like gambling. For yeah. <laughs> it is Vegas. So how long of a, how long did you stay in that show? So I stayed in the show um, till probably about, I think it, the show opened in August and I left in November because they realized that 165 people in the show was way too many. And Bluebell came over to see how we all were. And of course, she was always nurturing the young ones. And I said, you know, I said, I'm just not happy. I, I just, it's too much for me. It really is too much. We did two shows a night, three on a Saturday. I was not seeing any daylight at all. I was literally, we'd finish at 2 a.m. We'd go to the Mexican bar. We'd have a dinner and margaritas and, you know, find our way home and then wake up after midday, get ready for the show. There was just, there was no life whatsoever. And you had one day off where you just literally vegged because you were so tired. I mean, you know, those shows were incredibly, incredibly demanding. Two shows a night, three on a Saturday. And if you, some people had children so they could have a Saturday off. <laughs> they were the ones that got the Saturday off. Uh, if you had a family, you could have a Saturday off. And of course we were all away from our families so we could never have a Saturday off. Um, yeah, so Miss Bluebell said, well, why don't you go home for a couple of weeks and then come to Paris? So I did go home for a week and then my mum said, you need to find a job. And I got another job. I ended up in Italy and that's where I spent the rest of my career, really, um, in and out. So, so yeah. before we go to there, because I think that's fascinating what you actually did after. But you, t you had a relationship enough with Bluebell to write letters. Oh yeah, because obviously she's she's a fellow scouser, um, and she knew my father's fame as well. So she, um, we we had a, a a lot of a lot of people in show business that my father worked with. She'd worked with when she was younger, or she like World War Two. Vera Lynn, who was singing, um, Ken Dodd was a comedian from her era, um, so. We had a lot of things in, not in common, but she, you know, I knew people that she knew um, and she really did take me under her wing. And, and for, for many, well, up until her death, we, we used to exchange Christmas cards, write to each other. Um, you know, um, there was one occasion when actually my dance troupe won a contract that her dance troupe didn't. Um, and, and she just sent me a little postcard from Paris going, hmm, touche, you know, mon chéri, touche. She, she put on it, um, which was quite sweet. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. As a, You know, you, you start with the greats, don't you, as a bluebell? You know. So, yeah, that's all, it's, 
all that money, all those costumes, all that choreography, the music, the structure of the shows, you know, you can take that anywhere. You know, you can adapt and take. And I, I was very lucky to learn straight away how to achieve. And it was only because of, of, of a show that I was in in Vegas. Um, what was the show? So you said you created a show. What did you do after you came back home and decided not to go to Paris? <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't go to Paris to dance. I did subsequently. Bluebell invited me, and I and I saw quite a few shows and went backstage to Paris. Saw my friends that had moved from Vegas to Paris. But um, I went home, um, took a job to Italy for six months, and realised this is this is easy. The shows are really crap, you know, really rubbish. Um, and I went home and got a bank loan and, and did it myself because, um, you know, I choreographed the shows myself. I got the costumes made in, in Spain and in Milan. Um, and my shows I knew would be way better than what was already on the circuit. And um, yeah, I, I used to come home, audition, in London, uh, mostly in colleges, I used to take quite young girls because I found the young girls uh, like myself could adapt easily without having had any experience and I had never any had any trouble with them. Um, yeah, and then we, we started on the cruise ships and then it was a big thing to work on the cruise ships. But my first cruise ship job was by accident and it was only for a big fashion thing. So we had the Fendi sisters, we had uh, Versace, we had Valentino. It was a big fashion. Um, it was in August and it was a big fashion thing that was being promoted on this Costa Cruises. And it was a very small ship and they'd, they'd taken my show. And um, yeah, we did fashion shows with all of their, <laughs> so it's the most bizarre thing. But I had topless dancers. So I had, I must be, I swear I must be the only dance troupe to have ever had topless dancers on a cruise ship because that was the only contract. It was like two months. And then after that, um, they said, oh no, we, we, we can't have topless dancers. <laughs> I've never been topless on a cruise ship. No, but I did. I did, did? in 1982. <laughs> how, long did, how long did you do the ships? Obviously not topless, but you still... How no, no. For the shows, were these like fourteen years? I did. I put dance troops on on uh, Costa ships for fourteen years, um, and then I'd I'd subsequently gone into singing. So um, I'd done a television show in in Italy. So I I, I was working with two quite famous comedians, and um, I was their vedette. So I was sort of like their sidekick, and then I'd do a number and sing and dance and what have you. So I would then be sort of. I, I go and do these gala gala performances in different places all over the world. Like they'd fly me out to Argentina for a week or they'd send me on the QE2 for another two weeks for another show or um, yeah. So I'd sort of go as, as like the, 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 the singer. So um, yeah, it was, it, there were good times. There were good times. Did you get to a point where you felt like I just want to settle down and be in one place or was that a hard thing to let go of? of just It was very hard. It was very hard. So I got to about 30. Well, I got to 28 and I thought, you know what? Everything I ever thought I would do, I'd done. I'd done at 28. I'd, I'd done, I'd, you know, I'd been all around the world a few times. I'd, you know, done Vegas. 
um, <clears throat> you know, I'd worked at Monte Carlo, I'd worked uh, all, all, all over the place. I mean, I'd, I'd worked at all the top places. And I thought, you know, now it's time to settle down because you get to like 30, don't you think? Yeah, now, now's the time, now's the time, you gotta settle down. And um, I was like, no, I've got, to, I've got to have a child. I was like focused on, got to have the, got to have the baby at 30. Um, so I made a decision and um, I, I have a wonderful daughter who's 28 now. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I didn't let go straight away. I opened a dance school. Uh, but I couldn't deal with the parents. So um, <laughs> that was, I loved teaching the little, it was Italy. So everyone wanted Margot Fontaine after two lessons, you know, um, and, and the, the very, very demanding Italian parents. And I was just like, nope, I don't like this at all. Um, so I did that for about two years and I was sort of teaching aerobics in the morning till about four when school was out and then I'd teach dancing till eight and then I'd teach parents again till 10. So I was working from 10 in the morning till 10 in the evening and I just thought, it's not for me, it's not for me. Um, and then my sister, uh, my, my marriage was sort of failing uh, as well and my sister said oh i'm joining british airways so i went well i need to get away <laughs> and um for the first couple of years when i was flying i was still doing gigs so i'd like do full sector london brussels brussels london london brussels and then get off and go and do a show in brussels <laughs> And then fly back the next day to go and do another four sector Belfast, Dublin, whatever, and then do another show. And then my daughter's obviously started school, so I had to give up because I, I just couldn't, I just couldn't manage it. And then managing the dance troops as well, when you're not present, it, on the ship is easy because they're sort of in one place, but when the dance troops move in from place to place, you know, they're going from Zurich to, uh, Monte Carlo and then somewhere else and somebody have kidney stones and someone else is pregnant and someone else is doing this and someone's got a, a gammy leg and someone's pulled a muscle I just couldn't manage it all and I just thought no I've just got to stop but it was hard that was hard you know just stopping and not doing any performing um and someone would say, oh, come and do a show. Can you do this? And I'd do one and I'd really miss it. So I'd be depressed for two months. And then somebody else said, well, and then I, was, I thought, I oh, know, I can't do it. I've just got to stop. You've got to stop. Because yeah. as soon as you dip your, even after Paris, when we did that, we did that dance class. And I, I just thought I should never have stopped dancing because it's the only time I felt joy, real joy. And it, I wasn't dancing for anybody. I was dancing for myself. It didn't, I didn't care if there was an audience. It didn't care if anybody realized that I wasn't doing the dance steps or whatever. I was listening to the music and I was dancing and I should never have stopped dancing, even just for myself. You, cause I brought that up in the interview with Lindsay about that class and I forgot who it was. And now I remember it was you because I remember feeling all the and there was no audience just feeling that feeling and yeah. then when you said that i i know i cried but i look around i think all of us because there's 20 of us everybody I think cried when you said that because like yeah it wasn't just for the audience there is that feeling but there is like well this 
this is part of me. So it was just, it was beautiful and sad and all that. And to go, I guess we can still dance in our living rooms. I teach dance, but it's, it is different when you're teaching, you're giving, but when you get to just do it for yourself, it just really do it for yourself. Yeah. 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 That was beautiful. And that, in the reunion, your daughter, Bella is lovely. And she got up there and took that class. I was so, because I was in the back, she was back there and she, I think we kind of ran into each other at one point and I'm like, you're doing great. She just like, oh, the fact that she got up there and did that, hats off to her. It's so brave and she was beautiful. And I, I just thought how fun for her to see her mother in that element because we, we talked earlier, like I have photos, but it's very different than to see, like to be on that stage, not even just watching you take the class, but to be yeah. on there going up and down those stairs with the lights on. I, how was that for you to share that reunion with your daughter? It, it was beautiful actually, because obviously Isabella's my youngest, so she's 14. So she's never sort of been with me in the, in, in the life that I had before because um, I'd given that all up before she was born. Um, and I just wanted, she's, she's the most um, musical of my, of my children. She's a great singer. Um, unfortunately, she's very tall. So, um, you know, she doesn't fit in the mold of, you know, going to drama college because she's six foot. Um, but I just wanted her to be there and, and see what bluebells do. And if you want to dance, you can be tall and dance, you know, you, do, you, you don't let them push you away. You know, there are places for six foot dancers to go. <laughs> and um, I just wanted her to experience it. She, she, she didn't last long because I think she wanted to watch more than participate. She, 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 she wanted to, to live what, what we, and it was joyous just for her to be there to start with. And then she, she literally just went away and filmed everything. So she filmed it all for me. Um, and she, I think she got more out of watching than participating, but it was good to have her there. And, and just, even if she participated for the first half an hour, you know, yeah. and, but she, her joy was watching us. She Is always it? says, I can't believe that, you know, there was one lady from Scotland who was nearly 70 and, you know, she was another one who burst into tears when she, we both looked at each other and we, I, I said, we should never have stopped dancing. And she just literally just went like that and burst into tears. And um, I think Isabella really got that. She, yeah. she, she, that's what she wanted was, was to see um you know all these old ladies living their youth you know but we we still felt young up there and we we still felt like we could do it that's what i felt like i'm like i saw the video i'm like no i think i look better than that video showed i'm pretty sure i was kicking high and i look i'm like a foot Absolutely. off the ground Absolutely. <laughs> but it felt it felt like i was doing it but i think even for your daughter to like the getting dressed up and going to the show to think like yeah. i think now you know, the theater, you can go in a pair of jeans or you can dress up. But the whole thing of, of like, you know, there's champagne. It's such a beautiful theater. You get dressed up. And then the whole after party and the Lindsay and her dress and the whole celebration. Yeah. Just, it's hard to, hard to describe. So the fact that your daughter got to be there, because I come back. It was and beautiful. That was a wonderful thing to share. And I think, you know, your kids think of you as mom, but they don't, even if you tell them that, you're still mom in their head. So to go, oh, my gosh. My mom was one of those. Was one of those. <laughs> one of the, one of them. Um, so as we're closing up, is there anything that just stands out of your days in Vegas as a bluebell that really changed maybe how you approach yourself? I would say the arts, but even just yourself. 
like an understanding of well, yourself. Well, I don't think it. I don't think it changed me at the time. I think looking back, looking back on on those times was just, you know, we went. Back, it was so funny. We went back um, for the last show. Um, so I was there at the opening and I was there at the closing of Jubilee. And um, I, I went um, with a hangover, which I never get, but I, another Brit coerced me in, into playing some stupid game on a, where they gave you free drinks. And I booked a horse ride in Red Rock um, very early in the morning, <laughs> the following morning. And I'm on this horse called Cody and I'm the only one who knows how to ride. So I'm sort of bringing up the rear. And, and the cowboy was like, oh my God, you were a showgirl. You were in Jubilee. You're famous. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> but we're in the museums now. All our costumes are in the museums. You know, everyone is like, Vegas will never be the same. There will never be another Jubilee. There will never, ever be another Jubilee. And I was part of that. And, you know, I feel as big as Sinatra and Sammy Davis, you know? Well, that's like when you, like the Hello Hollywood, and we had ours, that there was a Hello Hollywood day. Because what it brought to that town that was kind of, you know, mini Vegas, that show brought so much as far as like tourism, but also a lot of those dancers stayed and they opened studios and they were part of the community. And so they have this appreciation for like those days that are no longer there as far as like yeah. the big shows. But um, I think I was there like the second to the last night of, of Jubilee. Was it just dance? I can't imagine that there, I heard there's a lot of people that returned. Was it mainly people who'd been in the show that were there for the closing? Yeah. And we went backstage and we weren't allowed to touch the costumes. Well, that was ridiculous. We had everything on. Bob Mackie's partner was on our tour. And I, we didn't know he was Bob Mackie's partner, but we got some cheeky pictures. And at the end of the show, when we said to Bob, you know, I said, Bob, do you remember me? I was the one with no hips, you know, and you were trying to fix my costume. And he went, I heard you. You were backstage with my partner. I've got the pictures. <laughs> but we were all one family, you know. Um, we got chains. Oh, it was just fabulous. It was just fabulous. We all went backstage. We tried on our own costumes. And um, I actually, the girl who did the tour was the harpist in the Samson and Delilah number. And she was the last harpist and I was the first. <laughs> really? Oh my Crazy. God. Crazy. Crazy. No, no other show ran even close to that. Like Hello Hollywood, I think was 11 years, but 35 is, yeah. that's like, I don't even know. I'm sure there's a tally of how many dancers and stage and all that went through that in 35 years. That's a huge, huge. amount. Of, and that's a big cast with a long legacy. So I'm glad you got to be there for the end of it. I'm sure it's like, oh, this yeah, I nearly didn't go, but I'm so glad I made the effort and put it on my visa card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this was so much fun. You're just a delight. And uh, say hi to Bella. And tell her I will my for just being on that stage and just going for it. So um, I'll I see you saying, in Seattle. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, because you're furloughed right now, and when when it comes back to it, you you can come out this way, and I'll, I'll buy you a drink. How's that? Yeah, and I love the. I always love going to the theater in Seattle because it's just around the corner. I think the last thing I saw was uh, 
the School of Rock, I think I saw. Um, the theatre around the corner, yeah. So, yeah, I'll take you to the theatre and you can buy me a drink. <laughs> that sounds so good. I'd love it. Okay, you take care. And once we get out of this quarantine and we can go play again, we'll do it. Perfect. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> Bye, darling. Bye. Bye.